0: Welcome to Slate Church Online. We're so glad that you've joined us. We pray that wherever you're watching this from, that this message will bless you. If this message impacts you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystoryatslatechurch.com. 6.30, how you doing tonight? You're doing good. All right. Why don't you grab a seat as you do. Touch your neighbor. Sam I'm ready. I feel like we got a lively bunch in the place tonight. I'm excited. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Hey, settle down. Calm down. Relax. Save it for later. Hey, this—oh, that was actually like, you, you can know it's okay. You don't have to calm down. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I'm excited to share some of the stuff God's been putting on my heart. I think we got a room that's, that's expectant for what God is going to do tonight. That's looking forward to, to hearing what uh, has been happening in the word this week. I think there's power around gathering around the word of God. And so I'm looking forward to doing that tonight. Are you ready? Yeah. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Come on. Well, yeah, as, as Beth said, my name is Jared Moore. I'm one of the executive pastors here at Slate Church. I have the honor and privilege of being able to serve at our church under our lead pastors, our phenomenal, incredible, amazing lead pastors, Pastor Luke, Pastor Victoria, Pastor Brandon, and Pastor Emma. If you don't know, we have four lead pastors here at Slate Church, and they're all incredible. And, and, and we always want to take a moment to highlight our lead pastors, and, and maybe you'll have recognized this kind of in in the process of having different people come up to speak. That's not one of the four of them. You'll maybe notice this moment where we just take a minute right off the bat and just say thank you to our lead pastors for what they've done, and just honor them, and take a minute to just uh, just really, really to honor them for all that they've done. And I think that sometimes... If I was like if I didn't understand this moment, I'd be like, "Why do they do that all the time? Like it's so weird. And I think that it's not something that we've even been asked to do. It's not like in a contract that if you ever come up on stage, you have to thank the pastors for like letting them let you speak. They've actually never asked us to do this. This is actually something that we've been inspired by other churches to do just to remind ourselves uh, of the truth of the situation. and the truth of the situation is there wouldn't even be a platform to be able to share what God is doing and the Word of God if they didn't say yes to the call of God that was on their life. And And so we want to take, we never want to forget to thank them for for saying yes to what God has placed on their heart so that it facilitates the opportunity for us to even be in the room together and build the relationships that we have and the friendships that we have. We know that God is driving the vision of this church, but he's appointed our leadership as leaders for this community. And so we always want to take a moment to highlight them, thank them for all that they've done and for pulling this all together. So can we put our hands together for our lead pastors tonight? They're actually away this weekend on vacation, um, and so, but it's still important to honor them even when they're not here so that we never lose that culture of honoring uh, leadership, but also honoring each other. Let's, let's keep that honor ingrained in who we are as a church. sound okay? In this idea of, of honoring people, I want to take a minute to honor uh, my wife, Beth. Today uh, is our one-year anniversary. Come on. We did it. We made it. It's the best. A year goes by so much faster than I ever would have expected. But, uh, but Beth, you're phenomenal. I love you so much. Thank you for, for being who you are, for working so hard and diligently in all the things that you do, uh, for, for just carrying a great weight on your shoulders and inspiring other people, and, uh, and for putting up with me in the last year and for loving me well. And uh, I'm excited to do this for a long, long, long time. So you're stuck with me. Anyways, she's the best. She's the best. Oh, man, you ready for the word tonight? I'm ready for it. This is something to to be. I feel like I say this every single time I get up to speak. It's really something I've been wrestling with this past week. And I'm excited to share it because I know that the, the, the word of God is living, it's active, it's alive. The Bible says sharper than any double-edged sword. And so I'm, I'm excited to share what God's been placing on my heart tonight because I'm excited to see what he's going to do in your heart through what is, we're going to talk about this evening, all right? So you've, you've made the investment to be here. Even as Beth was saying, you're here, you're in the room, let's lean into what God is doing. Don't you get frustrated when you've made an investment in something and then you don't actually utilize the thing that you invested in? I do this a lot. I buy things I don't need, but the most frustrating thing is when when you like like uh, when you go to the movies and you buy a ticket to the movie and you get in the theater and then you fall asleep in the movie. Like what a giant waste of your time! There's like a $13 nap that you could have just done at home. But you, you've made the investment to be here. Your time is valuable, and you're in the room tonight, and you're going to be here for the next little bit, unless you leave. But you're here, and so I'm excited that you're here. Let's not let's not fall asleep in the theater. Let's not lose out on what God is doing here. You've invested your time to be here, so let's really lean into what God can do in this moment, because I believe He has a word for you tonight, and He wants to change your mindset on some things, and He wants to change your perspective, and He wants to give you a fresh revelation of His love for you and His plan for your life. Is that all right? We excited for tonight? Yes, we are. Let me tell you what what I want to talk about tonight. I like giving this, like, the whole kind of message up front so that we know where we're going together. It's this idea of of character. I want to talk about what it looks like to be a a man of character, a woman of character, to be a person of character, to be a person with integrity. My dad uh, said this to me all the time growing up. He said, character is who you are when nobody's watching, Right? And I, I think character is something that I, I strive to have in my life. What, what, what does it look like to be sure-footed in the things that I believe? What does it look like to be steadfast? And I want to look at this idea of character through the lens of grit, through the lens of tenacity, through the lens of having a bit of a thick skin. Because I think to be a person of character, you have to have a bit of a thick skin. You have to have a little bit of grit in you. I think it's really, really easy in relationships to kind of be swayed this way and that way and in conversations to be swayed this way and that way, but to really put your foot down in a moment where pressure is on and you've got a decision to make, to make the right decision and to lean into what God has for you is often a difficult thing to do, and it takes a level of grit to protect the thing that God has given you, takes a level of grit, takes a level of character, and so I want to talk about this idea of, of character through this lens of grit. And not just what it looks like to, to grow character in ourselves or, or to inspire character in us. We're going to look at an example in the Bible. We're going to look at the example of David. And I don't just want to look at David's life with this idea of like, oh, here's all the cool character things that he did. I want to look at David's life because David actually is a phenomenal example of what it looks like to, to have character. But we also get to see where his strength of character comes from. He always points that back to God that God is actually inspiring in him this confidence this strength of character this integrity. So I want to I want to kind of just talk about that and tie those two things together. So that's the whole deal. Are you are we okay with that? We excited to kind of dig into this this evening? Awesome. So why don't you turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17 uh, verse 32? Maybe you've heard of this story of David. David is like a super popular Bible character. Maybe you've heard of like David and Goliath. Yes, people have heard of this story. There's like so many books that have been written about this and like stories that have been told and, and parables and all these things. David and Goliath is this really, really important story in scripture. And it's pivotal. It's pivotal. It's significant but I don't even really want to talk too much about that moment of David and Goliath and what that looks like. I kind of want to talk about David's, just his, the way that he interacts with everything in his life, almost leading up to this interaction with with Goliath, and then a little bit beyond. But I think David's an incredible man. And so we're going to read out of 1 Samuel 17, and what we're picking up in the story is is here. You've got uh, got the Israelites, the army of, of, of Israel, and these are God's chosen people, the people that he has, has selected, the people that his hand is on, the people that he loves. And, uh, and there are the, the, the Philistines. And this is a, an army, a group of people that are opposing uh, the, the, the people of God. And what is happening is they're kind of like on two sides of this big ravine. And every single day, the biggest guy from their side of the army, uh, Goliath, right, he comes into this ravine and he, he taunts the, the Israelites. And he like throws a bunch of slurs at them and says, hey, like you guys are weak, you're lame, whatever, whatever. And he's like, send your, I, I, I'm the best guy from our side. You send your best guy. We'll have a fight. Whoever wins, wins the whole war, yada, yada, yada. And so the, the, there's just a bit of, uh, of, of a cockiness to the Philistines. And David comes on the scene and he sees what's happening. And that, that character piece of David that's so closely attached to Christ is going, oh, this is wrong. Like, this isn't good. I don't like what this guy's saying. Somebody's got to shut this guy up. And he comes in and he goes, actually, I think I can do this. I think I can, like, this, this, I got to stop this. And so David goes to the king. He goes to Saul and he says, hey, put me in the ring, basically, is what David is asking. And so this is where we, where we pick up. And I want to read this part of the story because it highlights David's attitude about what is happening. It highlights David's heart a little bit. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. If you're there, say, I'm there. Amen. Check it out. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Yeah, what a diss, eh? Uncircumcised Philistine, like you got him. (laughs) (laughs) But wait, 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 this is important. This is so important. This is why, this is why David is upset though. Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. David's upset because of what of what Goliath is saying. He's upset. He said, No, 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 I'm gonna take care of this guy because he's defied the armies of God. Uh, There's a righteous indignance to David about what's happening. And David says this, and this is the key part of this passage. Verse 37 The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go and the Lord be with you. It's cool, it's a good passage. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for this incredible opportunity that we have to to gather in your house, to lift up your name, to worship you, to praise you. God, God, help us to never take that for granted, even just the opportunity to gather, even to to, to rub shoulders with each other and encourage each other and be around you and and be re-inspired by who you are and your love for us. And God, I I pray that as we dig into this message tonight, as we dig into the the meat of your word here, as we look at the life of David, God, I I pray that we would uh, just have fresh eyes as we read this passage, fresh eyes as we hear this story. God, that we would have ears that are open to hear what you have to say to us and hearts that are soft towards what you want to change in us and do in us today. We love you and we thank you and everybody said amen. Cool. If you're looking for a title for this message tonight, you can title it Integrity Matters. I wanted to call it Strength of Character, but Beth said that's not a title. So we went with Integrity Matters because it's more catchy. I trust her. I trust her. When I was growing up, my dad had uh, some sayings that he would always, always say to me and my sisters. I think more me than my sisters because I may have caused a little bit more problems early on. But he would say these, like, things over and over. And my mom had uh, a lot of these sayings, too, just things that she would repeat, repeat, repeat. Did your parents have these, like, things that they would always say? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, My mom, the, the two that she would always say, one of them was, a job worth doing is worth doing well. She would say that to me all the time, mostly after I did my chores, because I didn't do a good job, and she would bring me back and be like, hey, look at this. You did a bad job. Like, job worth doing is worth doing well. Do it again. And, uh, and then the other thing that she would always say is uh, garbage in, garbage out, right? What you put in yourself, you kind of are going to regurgitate at some point. And if you're putting bad stuff into you, what's going to come out of you is not what you want to come out of you. And if you're putting good stuff into you, what's going to come out of you is going to be a lot better. Does that make sense? My dad, on the other hand, he said some weird stuff. Some really good stuff, but a really weird one, too. I remember being really, really young and him saying like, this phrase over and over, and I didn't know what it means. And I, like, I now realize it was more for him than it was for me. But he used to say, like all the time, he used to say, speed and impact kill like, whoa, dad, what the heck? Just like such a weird thing to say. I think it's because he had a motorcycle, and that's probably like something that all of his friends were telling him all the time, is like, dude, if you go too fast and you hit a thing, you're going to die. But he would always say that to me, and I remember being like, dad, I, like, I'm like seven years old, man, like I don't drive, it's fine. But... <laughs> This is one of the things he would always say. The other thing that he would say all the time is is, character is who you are when nobody's watching. That was what he would always say. And the one that really stuck with me that was just like so ingrained in my mind is this phrase of integrity matters. The amount of times I've heard integrity matters in my life from my dad is like, Countless. It'd be it'd be like in passing all the time. It wouldn't even be in significant moments in my life. It would just be like he'd be like, "Hey, can you pass me the remote?" And uh, integrity matters. Be like, "Uh, "Okay, Dad. Like, relax. We're just watching like television." But integrity matters. Integrity matters. Integrity matters. Integrity matters. And he just drilled it into my mind until like to the point where, and I'm so thankful for it. Like I have no qualms uh, against this. I'm really glad that he did. But to the point where I remember being literally like five or six years old, and you know how like you uh, when you're young as a kid, you have opportunities to wish on things and to like make a wish, right? It's like your birthday, you make a wish and you blow out the candles. Or like 11-11 comes around and like you make a wish because it's 11-11. Like it means nothing, but you still do it as a kid anyways. And then there's like there was like older kids, not older kids, but like sneaky kids that would not just wish on 11-11, they would wish on like 12-34 um, because it was like one, two, three, four. And then they would just like sneak in another wish at this arbitrary time in the day. And, or like a shooting star would happen. And I remember being five or six and I wished the same thing, Every time, every single time, and, and it came from this integrity matters thing. Every time that there was an opportunity for me to wish, it'd be like my birthday, and be like, all right, blow out the candles, Jared, make a wish, and I go to make a wish, and right before I blow and I wish the same thing every time, and in my mind, the wish that I make every single time was, I wish to be a man of integrity. Like, since I was like six years old, I was like, dude, relax, you're six, like, it's okay, you can wish for a dinosaur, man, like, don't, like, <laughs> chill out. You got time to grow in integrity. Like, relax. But it just, like, so badly. I remember, like, one time I made a wish. It was, like, there was, like, a shooting star, and I remember being young, and I closed my eyes. So I was, like, oh, I wish we could go to di- – I wish to be a man of integrity. <laughs> and I was, like, kind of disappointed. I was, like, nah, i forgot got to do it. i got to do it. If I don't wish it, I'm not going to be a man of integrity. So – it just like, it was so ingrained in me. And and I think it's important. I think integrity is so important. I think character is so important. You you ever met somebody that, um, not that they don't have a high level of character, but maybe they they flex and they kind of uh, mold themselves to the situations they find themselves in instead of maybe uh, having a little bit more grit and standing firm in in some things. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm I'm trying to describe somebody that like is this way with this group of people and this way with this group of people and and just there's no like sure footing in their life. You know know what I mean? Have you ever met somebody? Maybe you are kind of like that. I'm kind of like that I have to protect myself I have to watch out for that in my life like the type of people that in high school they'd like go hang out with the jocks and have some conversation then they go hang out with like the really smart kids and have some conversation then they go and they could kind of just fit in and blend in everywhere and then have you ever met the flip side of that which is like somebody who is literally the exact same all the time like it doesn't matter what group they find themselves in they're just like this is who I am Beth is like that She's, like, it doesn't matter where she goes or who she talks to or what the conversation is about. She's just Beth. Like, this is who she is. And it's good for her because everybody likes her, so it's a good thing to be. Like, if you're likable, just be yourself, then. If you're not likable, figure it out. But, like, (laughs) but she's so likable, and so it doesn't matter. Like, she's always Beth. Even in the most, like, weird situations, she's Beth. The weirdest thing that I could think of was, like, when you sleep talk. You know like when you sleep talk or sleep walk, you do weird stuff. Like you're you're uncharacteristic. It's like not yourself, not Beth. When she like sleep talks, she's the exact same in her sleep than she is when she's awake. It's kind of like a little bit boring because it's just like this is who you are always. Like uh, this past week we had connect group at, at our house and, um, and we had all, all these people over. We had some great conversations during Connect Group. And uh, our house, our, like apartment is like a magnet for spiders. There's like so many spiders in our apartment building. And there's like a porch light that is always on in front of our, our door. And they just like congregate there. And there's like hundreds and hundreds. It's so, and they're big too. And it's gross. And so uh, before we let people out, Beth is like, ah, there's probably going to be, like, some spiders outside. Like, we'll open the- We tried to clear them all out before you came, but maybe they made some nests. And we opened the door, and there's, like, this giant spider's web, like, across the door frame and this huge spider in it. And everyone's like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Like, we can't leave. And so we're like, no, you need to leave because it's late. And so, <laughs> so, like. I get the job of killing the spider, right? So I go kill the spider, but Beth is like, ah, there's bugs, like, oh, there's so many spiders, there's so many bugs. So we go to bed, and we're sleeping in the middle of the night, like sleeping people do, like normal people do, and I'm um, laying on my side, I got my eyes closed, I'm kind of just, like, laying there, and I just feel Beth shoot up beside me, and I'm like, oh, what the heck? And I kind of, like, look over, and, and she's just, like, she's sitting upright in the bed, and she goes, <laughs> and I'm like, babe, what's going on? And she goes, bugs. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, there's no bugs. Like, it's fine. Go back to sleep. And like, I lay down, like 20 minutes later, again, same thing, shoots up in the bed. She's like looking around, like looking at the ceiling and stuff. I'm like, what's going on, babe? She goes, bugs. And I'm like, there's no bugs. Like, go to bed. You're just thinking about it from before. And then, uh, so that's like one of the times. The other time, so stinking funny, I'm laying in bed, and I'm like, uh, she's already sleeping, and I'm like on my phone, probably reading my Bible, because that's the kind of guy I am, and we're just like, we're there, and I'm on my phone, she's like sleeping beside me, and um, and she just like starts making this noise, which I ended up finding out was a laugh, but it's just kind of like this, she's kind of laughing like this, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> what the heck is going on, so I just kind of like look over, and it happens again, she's like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Are you like flirting with somebody in your dream? Like, this is so weird. So I'm like, okay, well, what is she like dreaming of? What is she thinking of? So I'm like, what's going on, babe? And she just goes, <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> what? <laughs> I ask, so I'm trying, I'm trying not to laugh. I'm like, what? You it's like, it's like April. Like the Christmas is long gone. There's no Christmas happening. And I'm like, what do you mean? She just goes, Christmas things. <laughs> So weird, but if you know Beth, she loves Christmas. Like she'll just talk about it all the time. She tried to play, uh, we share a Spotify account and Christmas music came on in my car the other day because she tried to play it and uh, I was using it and I was like, don't do this. It's the middle of the summer, stop. But she is the way she is all the time. And I think that, that that's something to, to, to inspire us with, like that's something to aspire to be like, to be the, that kind of sure-footed person, that kind of person with an integrity and character that says, it doesn't really matter what is opposing me, what is oppressing me, what is around me, what's gonna come out of me is the same thing all the time. What's gonna come out of me is what I expect to come out of me because of what I put into me, right? My attention is focused in the right place. My heart is in the right place. I'm pure of heart, What when you press me, This is what comes out. And hopefully it's the fruit of the spirit, right? When you press me, hopefully love comes out and joy and peace and patience and kindness. But I think people of integrity, people of character, when they're pressed, the decision is is easier for them. I wouldn't say that it's easy, but I think that when there's a choice to be made, when you go this way or when you go that way, I think when you have a, a level of tenacity, when you have a level of grit to yourself, when you have a strength of character, those decisions become a little bit easier. And so for me, I'm like, okay, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. That's the kind of person I want to be. So what do I do to get there? And I look at the life of David, and in a lot of his life, he's like this. He's very much a, a man of character. His, his interactions with things were so intriguing to me because of the way he carried himself. So I'm looking at that, I'm like, oh, what is David doing? What is David doing to be like that? How do I, how do I get like that? But, but we're looking at, at, at David's character here. And we're kind of digging into it. And the way that six-year-old me is wishing for, uh, to be a man of character, 24 years old, I'm still wishing to be a man of character. I'm still working at being a man of character. So I'm digging into the life of David, I'm saying, David, what are you doing to just have that level of character? How are you, how are you doing this? And, and, and it's interesting to me because we often think of David being like really courageous in that moment with Goliath, right? where it's like, wow, what a strong guy. Like he jumped in there when nobody else could. Israel didn't know what to do. They were worried and he stepped in and he really stepped up to the plate and God used him and worked through him and he saved the nation. And I think it's just one small moment where God uses him. I think you you see him use him throughout his life. You see a closeness between David and God, a relationship with God. Because it's cool. We get the narrative of David's life in 1 Samuel, but then we get the whole book of Psalms, which is like all of David's like gut feelings as he's going through things, right? He's like pouring out his heart in these songs that he writes to God and these poems that he writes. And so we can kind of get track a little bit to say like, wow, incredible man. Here's what's going on in his head. Here's what's going on in his heart. Here's just what he's wrestling with. And it's cool. So, Anyways, I just want to highlight some points that, that, that David actually demonstrated a level of character. So with, with Goliath, yeah, yes, of course. But uh, even in, um, with, his, with his brother, it's interesting. It's not just with, uh, with you know, physical interactions. It's also with interpersonal interactions. You see, David was actually in the field tending his father's sheep when uh, he came into the army just to kind of see what was going on. And he shows up in the army, and he sees Goliath, and he's like, oh, this is not good. Somebody needs to do something about this. And David's older brother is there, and he's in the army, and, uh, and he's a little bit frustrated with, with David because he's a little bit insecure when it comes to David. This guy, uh, his name is Eliab, and he was kind of in line to be anointed king right? Samuel was looking to find, like, who's going to be the next king of Israel, and, and God told him it's going to be one of the sons of Jesse, and he goes and he finds Jesse's house, and Eliab is kind of like the oldest brother. He's the best selection. He's kind of like the big, strong guy, and Samuel's like, oh, obviously it's this guy, and God says, no, God doesn't look at the physical appearance. He looks at the heart of a man, and God was looking for somebody after his own heart. The Bible actually describes David a man after God's own heart, and so David shows up on the scene, and Eliab is like, Eliab is like Like, what are you doing here? Verse 28, chapter 17, verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, because David is asking the men, like, what's going on here? Like, what is happening? Uh, He burned with anger at him. He says, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Man, if that was me. And my older brother, even if I knew there was a level of insecurity, even if I knew there was a bit of a difference, because you see, Eliab didn't get anointed to become next, David did. David became anointed, so there was a bit of a, of a tension here. Even if that was the case, as David, I would be checking my heart. I'd be like, oh man, like, am I conceited? And I, I start to question myself a little bit. A- am, I, am I doing this wrong? Am I coming down here just for selfish reasons? Do I just not want to be in the field watching the sheep, and I just kind of want to watch what's happening here? I would start to question myself, if I'm being honest. David, he doesn't do that. Verse 29, he looks back at his brother and he says, now what have I done, said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. I love David's reaction to his brother. There's an interpersonal confl- conflict. Eliab tries to, to, to put David down because of his own insecurity, and David just water off his back, brushes it off. And he goes, no, 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 i got to get back to the mission here. Like, I got to find out what's going on with this Goliath guy because I got to deal with this situation. Don't put your insecurity on me. I don't need that right now. I'm focused on what God has for me. I'm trying to figure out what the right thing to do is here. I love it. It's just water off his back. There's a grit. There's a tenacity to David. Shortly after this, David, when he talks to Saul, and he's like, hey, let me go down in there. Let me fight Goliath. Saul uh, goes, okay, cool, but, um, like, I'm not really sure if you can do it, so why don't you come with me? And in verse 38, it says this, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on the sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. And then he says to Saul, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So he took them off and he took his staff in his hand and he chose five sto- smooth stones from the stream. And he put them in his pouch and, uh, and with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. Like, it's, it's so, I love it. Saul tries to put on his own fear onto David. And he's like, David, I actually don't know if you can do this. So I've got the best armor in the kingdom. Like, it's been made for me. It's really, really high quality. I'm going to give it to you because when this guy pummels you, I need you to be like a little bit more protected than you are now. And David puts it on. And this is the king talking to David. Like, this is a high level of authority. And David isn't phased by the authority. He isn't phased by, by the insecurity of his brother. He isn't phased by the fear of Saul. He shakes it off and he goes, nah, I can't do it like that. God, God actually has, a, has given me gifts and talents. He's put something in me, and I've got to be faithful to what God has given me. I've got I to go with this. I can't, I can't cave to the insecurity of my brother. I can't cave to the fear of Saul. I've actually got to stay on mission for what God has put in my hand. I'm going to run for it, and I'm going to do this thing well. There's a strength of character to David. He's a man after God's own heart. God says this. It's interesting to me, I'm wrestling, I'm like, well, what makes him a man after God's own heart? And, and, and to me personally, I, I kind of think it's some of the ownership that David takes over situations. See, Goliath wasn't the first like, physical confrontation that he had. When he's talking to, to Saul in verse 33, he says, Your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, I rescued it from uh, the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it, I struck it, and I killed it. It's like, do you do that to a lion and a bear? Like it's one sheep, relax. Like let it have the sheep. It's a, it's a lion, just let it go. Like it blows my mind that David not only overcame these things, he actually had the, the strength of character, the tenacity, the grit to chase after those animals. It's like, I, I was, like there's this page on Instagram that I found this last week. It's called uh, Nature is Metal. And it's basically like, all this crazy stuff that happens in nature and one of the videos is a, a video of two uh like grizzly bears just fighting each other and it's like the the most like strength in, in, in a beast i've ever seen and i'm like david is chasing this thing down because it took one of the sheep out of like the flock it's like leave it alone bro but he said no no no. this is my flock like this is i've god has given me this i gotta entrust this like this is my thing i got to take care of this. i got to do a good job with this. There's a strength of character to David. And it's interesting to me that he's called a man after God's own heart because Jesus says in the parable in Luke 15, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner than over 99 righteous people who do not repent. David does sound like a man after God's own heart. It makes sense. It clicks. So I'm wrestling with this, and I'm like, all right, what, what can I learn from this? What can I see in the life of David? And and, and there's a, a few things that I just want to put down here um, to, to, to talk about tonight, what, what it looks like. How can we cultivate strength of character? How can we cultivate a grit and a tenacity? Because I think it's important for us as people to have, but I think it's important for us as a church to have. I think God's got a lot of, of – just a lot on the horizon for us as a church. I think there's a lot of people in this – region of kitchen or waterloo that need to hear about the love of jesus and i think that we are well poised as a church to be able to continue to grow and to continue to reach more and more people not so that we can grow as a church but so that they can understand that god loves them and that he has a purpose for their life and i think as people as a church We're only two years old. We're still in like the pioneering phase. We're still in like the startup phase. of church. It might not feel like it because we've got a lot going on, but we really are. And I think if we can get this idea in our hearts, if we can become people of character, then our church is going to have the grit and the tenacity to make it through some of the difficult things that are going to be on the horizon for us. I think it starts with us as individuals, but it's important for us as a church. I don't think little uh, quarrels between two individuals, maybe a, a volunteer and their leader, there's a mismatch and there's a frustration. I don't think things like that should, should take Slate Church out of the game for doing all that God has for it to do here. I don't think a, a frustration and an interpersonal thing between two people that can be killed in a moment of conversation that, but, but can breed over time is something that should take us out of the game for all that God has for us as a church. And I think if we can develop a grit and a tenacity as people and a strength of character I think we're going to be a lot more well poised to run the long game as a church and see what God really wants to do in the lives of people in Kitchener-Waterloo and Elmira and everywhere else that we're going to head in the future. It's going to be sweet. Three things about strength of character that I want to talk about tonight. I'm going to reorder them a little bit. The first is this. Strength of character is rooted in Christ, Say it again, strength of character is rooted in Christ. For David, it was rooted in God because David was before Jesus. For us, it's rooted in Christ. When I think about uh, this idea of being rooted, uh, I think about like, this, the, like a tree, right? You think about a tree. And the strength of the, the trunk of a tree, the strength of that, that tree's bark and that tree's thickness and that tree's strength often, actually, always is tied to the strength of that root system of the tree, Right? And for us, for me, as I'm looking at David, David was able to stand strong in these situations and have a strength of character and have a level of integrity because he was so deeply rooted in his relationship with God. Because he understood so much that it wasn't about his own ability to to make the right decision, his own ability to bring something to the table, but it was actually the the, the, the faithfulness of God in his life that allowed him to actually choose the right thing in all of these different situations. The truth of the matter is it wasn't David acting, it was God acting through David. The strength of character came from his relationship with God through the strength of, of God. For us, it comes from our relationship with Christ. It comes from the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. And so my, my question to us today is, is, where are we rooted? And how deeply are we rooted in that thing? I think there's, there's power in being rooted in Christ, and I think that the more that we build that relationship with Jesus, the more that we understand who he is and, and his love for us, the more that we get a picture of, of his love for our city and his love for uh, his people, the stronger that strength and that tenacity will be in us. I think that that's where it's coming from for David. That's the core of where it is for David. David even points back to and He says, the same God that, that delivered me from the hand of the lion and the bear is going to deliver me from this guy, too. I'm not worried about it because he was so confident And who God was. He was so confident in his relationship with God. It was so real to him. And I think for us, that relationship needs to be real for us. A strength of character character comes from a a place of of deeply knowing who Jesus is. Knowing who God is and and having that relation, Being familiar with God knowing just what it's like to be in his presence, what, what he would do, like WWJD, like what would Jesus do in this situation? Like what would he actually do? And what am I gonna do? And how do I have the strength to do that? Not because I decide to muster it up, because God actually gives it. the Holy Spirit empowers me to do that in those moments. So my, my question is how, how deep are our roots today? But where are our roots planted? Because uh, it, it's interesting, my, my grandparents, they have a, uh, some property on a beach and, uh, and they have, Like trees that are growing. And I always found it so fun as a kid to just like grab the trees and pull them up out of the ground because the root system only goes down into sand, right? So it's just so easy to pull out because the sand just sifts through the roots. But you go, they also have property uh, like in the forest. Let me tell you something you don't grab a tree in the forest and pull it out of anything. Like those roots are deep in the soil. Like what's our soil like? Where are our roots growing? Are we putting our confidence in ourselves? Are we putting our, our confidence in our job, our title, our relationships, uh, you know, a, a spouse or, or a sibling? Are we putting our, our, our roots deep into things that don't hold a lot of water, that don't have a lot of strength, that aren't actually ground? Are we, are we building roots? The Bible talks about uh, don't build your house on the sand. Don't, don't let your roots grow into the sand either. Be rooted in Christ. Be rooted in something stable. Be rooted in something strong. Be rooted in something solid. David says this in Psalm 121. We know this is David's reaction to things because he goes, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. David had a strong understanding of who God was and how he interacted in his situations. If we want to have a strength of character of people, if we want to run the long race, if we want to play the long game, if we want to be in this and do all that God is calling us to do, we have to be rooted in Christ. Second point is this. Strength of character is developed in private. That, that idea of, of who are you when nobody's watching, it's like nobody has to be watching. <laughs> you can't make those decisions in public whenever all eyes are on you because it'd be a different decision than when you were just kind of on your own. That strength of a character, that integrity is developed in private. We were uh, at an uh, art conference a little bit ago. I don't even know when, sometime in the summer. And there was this panel of speakers. One of the sessions in the day was a panel of pastors, and they were uh, pastors that have been in the game for a long time, like global churches. They've been doing phenomenal things for the kingdom of God. It was really, really cool to hear them speak. And it's this title of like high level, incredible leaders. And then there was this one guy on the list that like nobody really knew. And we were sort of like, oh, this is interesting. Like we're looking forward to it. His name was Tim Timberlake. Has anybody heard of Tim Timberlake before? Yeah. One. Cool. Awesome. Sick. But one in, like, a whole room of people. Like, not a lot of people have heard of this guy. And so we're like, okay, interesting. And we're in this room, and, and all these pastors are talking about things, and, it, and it's pretty incredible. And this guy, uh, Tim, he, he, keeps, he keeps talking, and every time he opens his mouth to say something, like, it's so incredible, the stuff that he's saying. There's so much wisdom in the words that he had. And I was sitting in it with Pastor Luke, and I kept, like, looking over to him, and we were like, who is this guy? Like, what the heck? He's wicked smart. And there was just a presence that he carried. That that he was just so in, in, in relationship with Jesus. It was so obvious in his life. And somebody basically kind of asked him in like the session, more or less. Like the question kind of got around here is like, "Who are you? Like, what's the deal? Like, where do you come from?" And he was talking about this idea that yeah, like in, in the past. People have been paying a lot of attention to me recently. I've been able to go speak at different conferences. I've been able to sit on different panels. And, and, and he said, a lot of people are attributing all of this to like some sort of overnight success, that I'm kind of like the flavor of the month. And, and suddenly, there's just like this level of, of public success in my life. But he says, what, what people don't understand is. I, I've been like, working at the church that I had, leading the church that I had in, in, the, in the middle of nowhere that nobody really knew about for years and years and years and years and years and years. It's a big church, but like, just because the eye was not on him, he wasn't, it didn't mean that he wasn't being diligent to what God had placed in his hand. It didn't mean that he wasn't running the race hardcore and actually going for it when nobody was watching. That character, that tenacity was built in private yeah. when nobody's looking. And, and what's built in private allows you to maintain in public. One of the things, I've heard it said like this, uh, God won't um, multiply what you won't maximize. And it, it, this is such an interesting concept to me because you see it in the life of David. All the opportunities that David had came from his uh, his uh, his maximization of what was given to him. Saul, before the whole Goliath thing happened, Saul actually asked David, can you come and play your harp for me because I, I get, like, upset and I need somebody to calm me down. You play beautiful music, like, come and play for me. And, and David actually got FaceTime with the king because... When he was in the field watching the sheep, he was practicing his heart. He was just pouring into what he had. He was working really, really hard at what was in his hand. The, the, David didn't best Goliath uh, out of nowhere. He bested him because he had dealt with the lion and the bear. And he didn't deal with the lion and the bear out of nowhere. He dealt with the lion and the bear because he, he worked on his, in his shot. He was practicing with this thing. He was maximizing the things that God had given him. So when it came to a public moment, when their army's watching and and his army's watching, he actually was able to perform. But he was able to perform because of what was done in private, not what was done in public. And when opportunity came knocking for him, he was ready for it. He was prepared because of the relationship he had with God, because of that closeness that he fostered in all those quiet moments throughout his life. I I think for us in, in the room today, there's a lot of people that are in that private season, in that unseen season, that are in the field in their life. And I think maybe you're frustrated with it. Maybe there's a, there's, a, there's a dissatisfaction with the place that you find yourself in in life. And I would encourage you, don't be dissatisfied. Maximize what God has given you. Really work hard at what he's placed in your hand. You see with David, David didn't despise the field. He didn't despise being a shepherd. He didn't despise that time out there. He actually kept going back to it. Saul called him in and said, hey, why don't you keep playing for me? And, uh, and David said, yeah, I will. But then he went back and took care of the sheep. And then he came back when Saul needed him, and then he went back. It's like, yeah, I could live in the palace. It, it could be cool. And yeah, I could wear the nice clothes. It could be cool. But I'm growing in the field. God is doing something in my life in the field. He's maybe not doing something in my life where it feels so great and looks so great and everything like that. Because actually, if you read the story, Saul's trying to kill him. Like when he's playing the harp, like oftentimes Saul is trying to actually kill David. But in the field, that's where God was growing him. That was where God was growing his tenacity. It was in the private unseen things that prepared David for the seen moments in his life. Strength of character is developed in private. The, the third thing is this, strength of character starts small. Similar to this idea of, of being developed in private, strength of character starts in the small things. David could do the big things because he did the small things, yeah. right? He was faithful with the big things because he was faithful with the little things. The parable of the talents, Jesus talks about this, and, and he says, if you're faithful with little, you can be entrusted with much. Right? And David, he's faithful with the little things. To David, there was no no small thing. Right? Taking care of those sheep, it was no small thing. You want to know why? I know it was no small thing to David because when a lion came and took one of the sheep, he chased it down. That's ownership for David. That's character. That's like, no, 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 this is important. It's one sheep, but it means something. It matters. And I think that, that, that because David was faithful in the small, God could trust him with a little bit more. And he could trust him with a little bit more. And he could trust him with a little bit more. And a little bit more. And a little bit more. And then you see this moment with Goliath. And it's big. And it's, it's fantastic. And we talk about it still today. But it's not just that. Because there were more challenges to come in David's life. And God could trust him with a little bit more. And he could trust him with a little bit more. And he could trust him with a little bit more. Because David took care of the small things. David didn't see anything in his life as being small. He said, This is a big. This is a big opportunity to steward what God's given me. This door is a big door. This is a big chance. Nothing is small for David. He actually took everything and said, I got to maximize this. I got to really work hard at this. God's placed it in my care in my ownership for this season, and I'm going to take really, really good care of it. And I love it because it's rooted in his relationship with God. He sees the one as important because God sees the one as important. As a church, are we identifying the, the one, the sheep that, that gets away? Are we having a strength and tenacity of character to chase that person down? Because the heart of David was to chase the one down, and the heart of David reflected the heart of God, and the heart of God was to chase the one down. It mattered to God, and so it mattered to David. And does it matter to us tonight? As I'm talking about David and the strength of David and his character and his integrity, I think people that know the story know that David wasn't just this perfect man of character and integrity. There's a big slip in David's life. He uh, He's king, right? He's defeated Goliath. He's defeated all these other armies. He's now king over Israel. And he's in his palace and he's looking out over over the land and he sees on the roof of one of the houses, he sees a woman bathing in, in the tub and, and he goes, oh, I want that woman. And so he, he gets her and he brings her into the palace and he sleeps with her and then he finds out that she's married. And so instead of being like, oh man, this was a giant mistake. I should never have done this. He keeps, more or less murders her husband he puts her her husband he finds out who he is puts him on the front line of battle just to be sure that when they go into battle make sure that he dies and then when he's confronted about it he lies about it see david covets this woman and then he commits adultery and then he murders her husband and then he lies to cover it up like that's really bad that's a lot of really bad stuff and this is the same guy, and I was talking to somebody about this, this is the same guy that in one of the Psalms wrote, your law is written on my heart. There's a huge disconnect here between David's actions and like, well, wait a second, I thought you were a man of integrity. I thought you were a man of character. Hold on a minute. And I think we can read the story and go, okay, well, that disqualifies David. But I love, this is why I love the Psalms, because we get to look at the heart of David when he's when he's in these seasons when he's in these situations psalm 32 it's it, it's uh, believed by a lot of uh, scholars that this is written after this whole incident with with this woman and in verse 3 it says this it, this is he's writing about his interaction with god his relationship with god and he says when i kept silent my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for for day and night your hand was heavy on me my strength was sapped, as in my as, as in the heat of summer then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. There's two things about this interaction that are powerful to me. One, is that David, his his strength didn't come from what he could bring to the table, didn't come from him choosing all the right things, came from him being willing to humble himself before God, to say, yeah, okay, I've messed up. I should have humbled myself at the start and then it got worse and worse and worse. But now I'm sorry. I'm gonna confess it. I'm gonna get it out in the open. I'm not gonna hide it. I'm not gonna keep it to myself, but I'm actually gonna humble myself. I'm getting get in front of God, get at his feet and say, God, I'm sorry. Like, please forgive me. Please forgive me. It was the humility in David's heart that allowed him to continue to be used by God. It was the humility in David's heart that allowed him to to get through this. And and what is also interesting in, in this It's more interesting to me than even David's reaction is God's reaction to that. You can say, man, that's a lot of things to stack up against David there. But God actually says, like, yeah, you messed up big time, but you're not disqualified. I still wanna use you. I still have more for you. I'm greater than the things that you've done. I still, like, your, your, your sin doesn't freak me out. It's bad. Like, don't get it wrong. Like, it's not good. You shouldn't kill people and, like, for their wives. But... Like, it's not so great that I can't bear that. It's not so great that you're now next. that it's like, okay, get out of here. It's not so great that I still don't have a purpose and a plan and a call for your life. And it's the same with us today. Maybe there are people in the room that have disqualified themselves from being used by God. Maybe you've had your one, two, three, four, five, six things happen that have just piled up. My challenge to you is, is take the posture of David today. Humble yourself before God. Say, God, I'm sorry. Like, I don't want I don't wanna live with this weight on my shoulders. And I guarantee you, that he is greater than whatever you've done. I guarantee you that that's not gonna freak him out. I guarantee you, you're not disqualified because of your one, two, three, four, five, six, whatever it is. I guarantee you God has more for your life than what you think. (laughs) David had such a good perspective of who God was. Psalm 46 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. David's writing this Verse one, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her, she will not fail. God will help her at break of day. This is my favorite verse in all of scripture. It says this, nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. David understood who God was. He had a healthy reverence, he had a healthy fear of God, of the greatness of God. Kingdoms are our nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, all you gotta do is lift your voice, everything is gone. The earth just melts. You're so much greater. And David kept this perspective and it was this perspective of God that allowed him to come and say, I'm sorry, I've messed up and to know that God still loved him and will forgive his sins and forgive his transgressions and continue to use him. It's the strength of character. It doesn't come from David, it comes from Jesus. And, and as I, th- I think about character and as I think about Jesus and as I think about this interaction, I- I'm brought back to the greatest example what it looks like to live a life of character the greatest example and not just example but the actual greatest path to be able to live a life of character is jesus and what resonates in my heart with this idea of character this idea of of strength integrity is the night before jesus goes to to die on the cross the night before he's going to be taken and he's going to be hung and he's going to be killed and he's praying in the garden of gethsemane and he's praying to god and he's and he's anxious about the next day he's 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 fighting through it he doesn't want to do it he knows what's coming And and the bible tells us that he was so worked up that he was sweating blood like that's serious and jesus says he says in his prayer to god he says if there's any way like any other way to do this let's can we do that thing like, can you let this cup pass for me? I know what I need to do tomorrow. But if there's any way to, 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 to bridge the gap and still have a relationship with people and open the door into community and to love your people and to love the people on earth. God, if there's any other way to do this, can we find that way, please? Because I don't want to do this thing. But the heart of Jesus is this. He goes, but not my will be done, God. Your will be done. He aligned himself with the vision that God had for his life. And because of of his submission to God, because of his strength of character, because of his integrity, we have an open door of relationship with Jesus. We have an open door of community with God. We have an open door to receive the love that God has for us. There's nothing blocking that because when God looks at our situations and he looks at our sins and he looks at our frustrations, he looks at all the ways that we don't measure up, he doesn't see all that stuff. He sees Jesus and the sacrifice that he made to save us and to open that door of relationship. Come on, why don't we stand in this place tonight? Remember there are people in the room today that at some point in your life, that relationship with God was the most important thing to you. It mattered so much to you. It was so significant. But maybe you read something or heard something or had a conversation or something happened in your life that shook your faith in Jesus, that shook your, your strength of character, that, that, that assuredness, that confidence in who God is. Maybe there are people in the place tonight that have never been rooted in Christ, never made a decision to follow Jesus, never made a decision to actually open that door of relationship and receive that free gift of of salvation, free, free gift of love that God has for you, to step into the purpose and the plan and the path that God has for you. Every, every service, we want to take a, a moment to, to invite people, extend an invitation to respond to what God is doing in your life, to say, I actually want to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you, you did that once in your life, and you want to come back to that decision, and this is a significant moment for you, and God's working on your heart. Or maybe you've never made that decision before, and you say, no, no, I actually want to see what God has for me. I want to step in. I, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I know that I'm not a, a man of character. I know that I'm not a woman of character. I know that I can't muster this up because I've been trying to muster it up for years and years and years, and I don't get anywhere. I wanna put my faith in Jesus. I I, I believe that he is who he says he is. Thank you for watching. And again, if you were impacted by this message, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email to Slatechurch.com. If you'd like to learn more, fill out one of our online connect cards on our website. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. And remember, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.